This Warriors Live Podcast 2022, Episode 8. Um, Will Evans and Fonzie and Brad are both slaving away on a Monday, so I'm lucky enough to have with me my good friend and uh, very experienced, very uh, respected rugby league journalist, Mike Burgess from New Zealand Herald. Mike, thanks for uh, jumping on, mate. You're welcome, mate. No, good to, good to be here. I think the last couple of times it's always been during crisis, um, so this is nice that we're going to be um, talking about some uh, some positive stuff because at the moment, uh, as we'll get into, uh, there are certainly some encouraging signs, Will. Yeah, I think the last couple of times might have been when Stephen Kearney was sacked and when Roger Tuovasashek announced his switch to rugby. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, a bit kind of drag you in for the uh, big big negative bombshells, mate, but... Uh, <laughs> thought we'd let you off the hook and uh, come when we th- things are looking a bit rosier um, <laughs> but yeah obviously you covered uh, Friday's game um, pretty good one to to get the season really rolling how, how are you feeling like obviously you've, you're a, a journalist uh, first and foremost but you care about the team you obviously you know when they do well you're, you're a fan to a certain degree as well and makes your job a bit more interesting too well, it's just, mate, it's such fine margins, isn't it? Because if if Chad Townsend's field goal goes over, you know, everyone's probably feeling a bit different, um, especially uh, Sean Johnson, as he admitted after the game. And then you, But you think back to how we were all feeling uh, about three weeks ago uh, after that Tigers game, when the team didn't play well at all, and we're, we're kind of lucky to get that win. The Tigers probably the better team on the night. And you were thinking, gee, where is the season headed? Um, but two weeks later, uh, we've seen we've seen two pretty solid performances, both uh, in different ways. I mean, the Cowboys dominated a lot of that game and dominated, as everyone knows, dominated a lot of the statistics. But I just loved the way the Warriors hung tough and just stayed in there. And apart from um, a couple of tries that were a bit soft, they actually defended really well in you know, all those repeat sets. So all those things that, that, that you look for uh, are quite encouraging. And then you add to the fact that, that there's a lot of improvement in this team, I feel, especially in the back line. Um, the Cowboys aren't world beaters, but, but they're a decent team this year. They've improved from last year. They work hard. Um, and they, they, they had the wind in their sails on Friday night, but the Warriors got out of it. So, yeah, it is, um, it's encouraging signs. I'm certainly feeling better. Um, about this season at this stage of the year than I was uh, last season. Yeah, absolutely. I think round five last season was a pretty ugly loss to um, Daily Chair Evans via a, terrible, a, a very, very late field goal, <laughs> uh, a winless manly oh. at that stage. Um, and, you know, that I guess it's that it illustrated exactly what we're getting from Sean Johnson winning a game like that because last year... It was our Achilles here. Um, we had five losses last year when we were leading or tied with five minutes left. Um, that game on Friday night felt a hell of a lot like those games. But with Sean there, you kind of had that sense that we were perhaps the favourites to you know, find something to get the job done, find that play somehow. And you know, it was pretty ugly and we had four or five attempts, um, charge downs and, and all that sort of thing. And Montoya coughing it up. Uh, running off out of his own 20 um, where it could have gone pear-shaped for us but 
you knew as long as Sean was there, there was um, someone capable of, of icing the game and wanting to step up and ice it. And that's the difference he makes. Um, because you lo- just the way that we also, the Warriors also um, kind of dominated that last five minutes and also the Golden Point period. Because as you point out, they had, they had, they had all the attempts. Um, and I think it's much easier when they know they've got someone steering the ship and someone who's going to take those shots. Last year, you had sort of Reese putting his hand up, and he's he's a kid still learning how to do it. You had Chanel have a couple. You had I think Cody. You, had, you know, it was just it was just a bit all over the place. So Sean has brought um, Sean has brought so much. I mean, as he said after the game, he's still he's still not that happy with how it's been going. Um, but there's been there's been steady improvements, but the main thing with Sean is that uh, he makes things happen. That's number one. He makes players around him better, and he makes them feel better. And then the other thing is he <laughs> he has a big impact on what the other team does. You know, so the other team are very wary of him there and what he's what he's going to do or what he could do. So he is he, he's brought he's brought so much already. And, and as you say, mate, I was just relieved for him because I feel like there's a bit of weight off his shoulders now because he came back with so much pressure and expectation. He was the, you know, he was, we're all saying it, or most people were, he was sort of the guy who was going to turn things around for them um, and and also have the fairy tale return to his, his hometown club. But, you know, he's, he's helped them to a couple of wins, kicked a match-winning field goal, so it's kind of like proven that, was a really good decision by the club and by him yeah. and hopefully we're onwards and upwards yeah I think um, you know he's coming off that another season ending injury last year so it wasn't the easiest circumstance to come straight back into this situation which was you know quite difficult as it is then an injury after one game um, I think those two losses or the, the loss to the Titans and the ugly win over the Tigers kind of showed that we were kind of rudderless without him so again that ramps up the pressure he comes back I thought he was excellent against uh, the Broncos mm. uh, not probably pretty patchy against uh, the Cowboys overall obviously the the uh, field goal makes it look a hell of a lot better but for me you know he's had three tries um, already in three games and another three three or four try involvements as well where he's thrown the last or the second last pass so you know he is making things happen he's still you know finding his feet in this side. He's making that guys look better. Like that combination with Jesse Arthurs is outstanding already. Mm. Um, Chanel, mm. Chanel's had two, well, particularly last week, he was the best player on the field. He's, he seems a lot more comfortable having someone like mm. Sean with him. Um, so I think, you know, it's, and, you know, just having someone with a more reliable kicking game um, obviously makes a huge difference as well. So... Hopefully should only get better. The main thing is um, keeping him on the park. But one other thing, and, and you'd be, you know, pretty... Uh, you've had a fairly close relationship as far as, you know, journalist players go with, with Sean. Um, just that passion that you can see bubbling out of him every time he talks, and particularly after that game. And I know it was a, a crazy finish and all that, so it's always going to be a bit heightened. But, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's pretty emotional talking after the game. And I think a lot of Warriors fans would have... You know, got a little bit choked up just watching that and man how good is it, is it to see um, you know that sort of passion and emotion from well that's the thing Will it just means more you know it yeah. just means that much more to him 
um, than it does to... And, and look, we've had a lot of good Australian players and a lot of good Australian players in the last few years that have really wanted it, wanted to win and, and everything else and love the club. But it just means so much more to a guy like Sean or Jazz or Chanel. Uh, and that's the value of having um, homegrown products. And that's why it's always so frustrating. I mean, this is another topic. But that's why it's always so frustrating when the club appears to kind of prioritise maybe signing some Australian journeymen instead of backing their local guy or maybe low-balling the local product over a, over an Aussie. That, that's all another topic. But you, you, your essential point is, is bang on. You get so much more out of a guy like Sean um, because it means so much to him. And he, he will he will lift, even subconsciously, he'll lift um, to do everything he can for the Warriors because it's been imprinted on his brain um, since he was seven or eight years old watching Stacey Jones. And it's the same, you can have the same conversation about Penrith. You know, the reason they are so amazing is not just because of the players they've got and because of uh, Ivan Cleary. It's because they've got, I mean, you know better than me, but they've got that, that truckload of local juniors, a crazy amount of local juniors. And when you hear them talk about it, guys have been playing together since 14, 15, 16, and how much it means to them, the sort of brotherhood among them, but also how much it means to them to be a Panther. And then you, it's no coincidence that, the, that Penrith have this amazing resilience and the way they defend and the way they just keep winning games. So... It's it's just fantastic uh, that that Sean's come back. I, I never thought it would happen, and um, it's kind of already a bonus that we've had <laughs> uh, three games out of him. But uh, as you say, the key is that we get, um, we get another another twenty three this year, and if we if that happens, then um, you know the Warriors uh, could could be right amongst it for for playoff contenders. What do you reckon? If you know, obviously he's on this two year contract and and uh, he's, he's been fairly injury prone everyone sort of just assumes he'll um, you know, hang up the boots after that but I mean if his body holds up we kind of see him going a bit longer than next year if his you know if he's the, the way that he's fizzing I mean he looks like a kid again um, his enthusiasm for it and especially if he can well when they get to come home and he's back here yeah. with with Kayla and their daughter um, and you're right, this is a second chapter for him. I think he feels um, rejuvenated, revitalised, um, and if he's physically feeling fine, which, like you say, mate, he looks he, he looks good, doesn't he? He looks still looks pretty sharp, you know? I think this is the best um, he's looked since. He's bending well, he looks... Uh, uh, he doesn't look like a guy that's held together with, you know, rubber bands and chewing gum like some players do when they get yeah. into their... Um, early to mid-30s, so um, yeah, you'd, you'd think that um, he could have another at least another year after his contract maybe maybe two more, I mean you just, you just don't know, you don't want the uh, Jonathan Thurston effect where he just sort of hits the wall in his last season, but right now he's looking he's looking um, like a guy that goes for for longer than just uh, yeah. 2023, and his you know his game has changed a bit, and he's not the um, as the, not the dynamic ball runner. Although I, I do believe that he can um, still have an impact or more of an impact than he's having at the moment in that area. But um, you know his, his game has changed a bit, but he does look sort of leaner and fitter than I reckon any time uh, since before that broken ankle in in 2015. He's you know he's always seemed to be. 
strapped up and hampered by something ever since then. Mm, um, mm. A lot of leg injuries since then. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he can um, hold together. Yeah, um, that's um, that's crucial. I mean, I mean they have got backup these days, but um, you wouldn't want them out for an extended period. You know, you could handle like we've just had. You could handle if he gets a, um, a hamstring strain or something else, and it's two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. But you certainly don't want it turning into months because I think um, you know they would. Nathan Brown would talk about, oh, it's a chance for someone else, and they'd all say, oh, well, we've just got to cover for him. But he is. Um, He's vital, and he's going to become even more vital as the as the months roll on. I feel. Yeah, absolutely, and it's not all about him. I mean, the the Ford pack has been really good. Adam Tanua Blake has developed into a. He was already one of the best props in the game, but he's producing that week to week. Uh, you know, the Ford pack looks really good overall, despite you know a few guys being in and out of the side. Um, probably doing better than I thought we would with a. Pretty low-key, unheralded um, backline contingent, and you know, and Reece Walsh has obviously missed that though, uh, that first game, and is, is feeling his way back into the side. So, you know, a lot to um, a lot to build off, I think. Brought um, down, he probably uh, downer off Friday night was uh, Marcel Montoya's slur um, referred straight to the judiciary. Um, club released a statement last night apologising Marcelo apologising via Cameron George Uh, look there's a pretty heated issue as you can imagine Um, a lot of people on social media not seeing that there's any big deal at all and uh, should be forgotten straight away Um, a lot of people would like to throw the book at him uh, given you know, given the sort of harm this sort of thing can do, I think you and I, Mike, are probably somewhere in the middle. He's done something, um, said something that he, you know, you just can't say. It's been picked up by the referees. Mike, he's probably um, a little bit unlucky there that that's been broadcast to millions. But the fact of the matter is it's happened um, and it's careless. There's a thousand other things that he could have chosen to say and, um, you know, the NRL will come down on him. It just, uh, just... It's just a matter of of how hard they come down. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, it is. It's really unfortunate. One thing I would say about Marcelo, um, of all the Warriors players to deal with these days, of course, just over Zoom, we we never see them in person. But um, he is one of the um, most genuine players to deal with, and he is. Um, it's been quite wonderful to watch. Actually, he came to the club. And no one batted an eyelid, and you thought, "Oh, okay, who's this guy?" Um, gee whiz, um, really? And um, you know, two years later, he has just turned into such a, a dependable, uh, committed. Uh, you know, if you, I'm sure if you look back over your famous ratings, will <laughs> he would be um, pretty consistent among yeah. those ratings week in week out? And he's a guy that um, he's not blessed with. Um, Amazing natural talent, or, or huge size, or pace, or but but he's got enough of everything, and he just gets so much out of himself every week, and that's what I think fans and the coach and everyone admires the most about someone like him. He's the guy that you know just yeah plays plays two or above his potential every week. So yeah, it's quite it's quite a shame because he is a actually a genuinely nice guy. But uh, it is good that they um, will 
um, uh, make their sanction. It's the sort of thing that's just got to got to happen these days. There's got to be a line in the sand. Uh, what I would say is it, it, it's great that uh, things have moved on so much, you know, because it wasn't that long ago. Um, you talk to some of the uh, the Maori or Polynesian players, uh, not that long ago at all, I'd say even in the 90s, and say in the early 90s, some of the racial stuff they had to put up with during games, from fans, even at training, was just, just horrible, you know, and that's basically all gone now. You can't you can't call someone what they're being called on the field anymore. That's uh, and this is kind of a, a similar thing. So, so let's hope it's dealt dealt with. I certainly hope the sanction isn't too harsh. You know, it's not like uh, some of the foul play we see or the you know taking someone's head off like the guy the other day who got who got the six weeks. So it's it's. I, I just hope there's a there's a balance there where it's it's punished for an inappropriate comment comment um in the heat of the moment but it's not a over the top inappropriate punishment at the same time yeah and i'll back you up there marcelo the dealings i've had with him is i actually um interviewed him after his debut which was against the warriors in Dunedin. he's he is a lovely kid and by all accounts he's exactly the same now he's been a real barometer for with his enthusiasm and and effort uh, since he got here, and I certainly didn't rate him that highly as a player when we bought him, but he's he's certainly um, certainly turned me around. Um, not that that's an excuse, but I, I just think you know having dealt with him certainly wouldn't think it's malicious um, the way he's he's used it there. But you know, at, at the end of the day, he has said it, and it's out there. And you know, I guess what I came back to was you know if you're gay and you've possibly had traumatic experiences being bullied with that word involved or and that's possibly been accompanied by violence or that sort of thing and you're a Warriors or NRL fan you've seen what's happened on Friday night or heard it it's going to be pretty disheartening to see nothing done about it um and you know that's exactly why the NRL should and will uh, come down with some sort of sanction you know I think if he's rubbed out for more than a game or two that's maybe getting a bit heavy-handed um but yeah obviously I think something does need to be done. I mean, the, the punishment is not for for Kyle Fout, who was said to, or the unaffected majority. It's for, you know, people that, you know, potentially are going to be damaged by hearing that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I think the game has a responsibility for, um, you know, to do something about it, no matter what, you know, how many people say snowflake this and uh, virtual sig- signalling that. Um, yeah, I think they'll they'll hopefully do the do the right thing to be honest i prefer them to to fall on the side of being too heavy-handed than you know not enough although you wouldn't want it to be too much more of a punishment than the um <coughs> melbourne storm party boys yeah well, that's right because yeah. i thought that was uh i thought that was pretty poor that that uh they got away with that to a degree because that talk about bring the game into disrepute and, and you know oh, 100%. I thought that was I thought that was awful and they got you know basically got the the wet bus ticket you know so um, but yeah you summarise it very well you summarise it very, very well mate uh, yeah I think that's probably all we need to say about it and we'll wait to see uh, you know what the what the decision is um, as I said referred straight to the judiciary so I guess that'll be tomorrow night we'll hear what happens there but you know hopefully we can see some sort of good about it and you know um 
as you've said, no, Marcelo, um, I'm sure that he will make the best out of a, a you know, pretty regrettable situation. Um, moving on to happier, hopefully, uh, topics. Um, season prospects, mate. I mean, we're getting pretty carried away. The Warriors do this to us after a, <laughs> after a win like this. I mean, as you said, it was only a couple of weeks ago where I didn't... I, I was counting down the weeks to when this putrid season might be over after watching that Tigers game. Uh, it's only taken two games for me to be uh, right on board with the juggernaut again. Um, but, you know, we had this probably the softest draw in the comp, I think. Uh, you know, three and two is about the minimum of where we would have wanted to be. Looking at that five-round draw, the losses to the Dragons and Titans, looking at what they've done since, those are probably a bit disappointing. Obviously, the Tigers one just good to get the two points um, and then you know these these two wins the Broncos and Cowboys have maybe been a bit better than than uh, we would have thought at the start of the season so those are you know two two really impressive wins so um, yeah what do you what do you think you, do you think this is you know one way ticket to uh, to top eightsville or are you tempering things a bit or where do you think um, in your heart of hearts we're going to end up from here Oh no, certainly not a one-way ticket to <laughs> to anywhere at the moment. Um, I think the best thing is that I think we'll still be contenders come winter. So come June, July, you know, we'll still be contenders. Whereas I think a few weeks ago, people were thinking, bloody hell, uh, they could be shot ducks by June and come home for these homecoming games yeah. and get ten thousand people there out of sympathy, and it'd be terrible when the team's sitting in eleventh place on the table and have won three games. So. I think now that's the best thing is they'll come home uh, for these games, which, which will be massive, and, and they'll still be contenders, and that's vital. And if they can bank bank those home wins, then then who knows? I mean, it's it's still going to be very hard to make the top eight because you've got to think about well, who's going to fall out? Who's going to fall out to let the Warriors in? You know. Um, but uh, on balance. Uh, they, they should have won the Titans game. Kind of blew that, uh, but then the Tigers, I guess, you know, got a little bit lucky in a way. Broncos was a good performance, and, and, and Friday against the Cowboys was a good performance. I think the main thing I'm encouraged by, you sort of mentioned it before, Will, is the forwards because I think the forward pack is looking is looking really solid, and that's got to be the basis. I've got concerns about the back line. Uh, They've really, well, I think I said before, there's room for improvement, but they've got to improve a lot. I think the back line, you know, I have got a few concerns there, but the forwards, I really like the look of the forwards. I like the way they're, uh, they're playing together. I like the options they've got. I like the fact that Toru Harris uh, is still to come back. Yeah. And then you've got someone like, you know, I thought Jester Vanger was excellent against the Broncos, really good at loose forward. That's his best position. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's Josh Curran's best position too, probably. So... How but you've got Nathan Brown's got options and there's going to be injuries, the bench suspension um, they won on Friday now with, without Katoa who I think is their best second rower um, the other two guys went alright in his absence so yeah they've got a nice they've got a nice platform there um, you know they're 3 and 2 now which is great but they've got the Rooster Storm uh, Sharks away uh, Penrith coming up, and I think it's um, the Raiders will be tricky. So, you know, they've got now they've got now they've got tough games coming. Uh, but I just think they'll be they'll be more competitive against those uh, B 
big teams and might jag a win here or there. And I just think they've got the goods this year to beat more of their their mid-table competitors. And that's obviously key to making the top eight. You make the top eight by by beating the teams around you. So um, it, it is looking encouraging and, and uh, it, it's, you know, it's a... It's a possibility, mate. It's a possibility. It's hard to it's hard to really say one way or the other right now, but um, there's uh, it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, I mean, we've seen fast starters like the Knights and the Broncos sort of fall away with a few uh, losses in a row now, um, which has allowed us to get up to that seventh spot. Uh, the top six does look reasonably settled already. I mean, Melbourne Penrith definitely mm. going to be their Parramatta are looking really good. Cronulla look outstanding. And then, you know, Manly and the Roosters, are, you know, they're, they're, you'd be hard-pressed for them not to um, to get there in the top exactly. six, but, but, you know, barring a, an injury disaster. Um, and then you think South Sydney probably have to come good at some point, although Latrell Mitchell's out for eight weeks now, but it's a, you know, potentially we're, we're fighting for one spot with a whole bunch of other um, hopefuls. Um, but, you know, the, the only way that you can uh, put yourself in there is to keep winning and... Um, I know you love uh, the stats that I come up with every now and again, Mike. Uh, it's just the eighth time they've um, been three, three and two or better in our 28th season history. Um, the last six times that happened, we made the finals. So pretty good omen there. We're notoriously slow starters, getting off to a half-decent starters, obviously, um, first step to getting into the finals. Um, and yeah, Fantastic stat. I love that. Yes. yes. Knocked, um, knocked off a few other little uh, hoodoos as well. That was the first Golden Point field goal since 2009 by a Warrior, which is extraordinary given how many times we've ended up in Golden Point. Uh, first Golden Point win since 2016 when uh, Sean scored that try against Penrith. Mm. Um, and this week we're chasing just our third four match winning streak since the 2011 grand final, which is pretty exciting. Um, the others, I think, twenty thirteen during that mid-season streak under Matt Elliott, yep. and then the five yep. and I think start five in a row, wasn't it? Yeah, and the five and I start to twenty eighteen. Um, yeah, you talk, talk about the back line. I mean, I sort of uh, highlighted as, a, as an area of real concern before the season. I think, given the quality of of the players, no disrespect to them, but they've probably done an adequate job um, so far. The the uh, concern is I don't know how much better they can get and I definitely think some better teams, and we haven't played anyone good yet, could uh, really uh, expose them. Um, you know, I've been pretty harsh on Ed Cossey. He's, he's done well in his two games back but he goes up against Daniel Tupo this week. That's terrifying for me. Um, and the Storm, um, I think, I'm not sure if that was the one that you were at, but I think they probably opened them up um, on the edges both games we played them last year. But, you know, thinking about Jarome Hughes um, and Cameron Munster toying with those edges in a couple of weeks' time. Um, yeah, a little bit concerning. And the guys that we've got to come back, we've got, you know, Dallin obviously pretty experienced but pretty flighty, in my opinion. And then Rocco Berry and, and Vilea, who are very inexperienced. Um, you know, real bonus picking up Arthur's and Marcelo's been really good, but I'd probably prefer those two guys to be my two lesser three-quarter line players rather than the two best ones so um yeah a little bit of a concern moving forward but they're the guys we've got so um not too much we can do about it besides a potential you know mid-season pickup but um yeah we'll, we'll see how how that picture pans out 
Um, Reese Walsh, I wanted to touch on uh, your one of your tweets um, on Saturday morning. I think caught my eye, Mike. Um, I'll just quote you here. Uh, seriously, can anyone who watched the last two Warriors game tell me that Reese Walsh is unsettled and uneasy at the club? All of us riders might exaggerate things at times, but far out that preseason storyline by an experienced journo seems like an agenda. Uh, yeah, totally agree. Like he's, he's when he's out there on the field, he's totally invested. Um, you know, it's it's only really the sort of uh, reporting away from the club that that seems to suggest he won't. Um, you know, on a next year's deal and stay beyond. Yeah, and it's easy to it's easy for these um, stories to start. I mean, you know, it's pretty easy for a, a certain club or another club or an agent to kind of um, not plant the kind of story, but just suggest to someone, "Oh, I've heard this, I've heard that," and then uh, the story can sort of start. And once it starts, you throw around words like "uneasy," "unsettled," "wants to get away." Um, you know, the mud can kind of stick no matter what the club or Reese tries to do or say. He certainly looks like a guy that is uh, happy with his teammates, happy to be part of the team, uh, enjoying his football, and, and um, they're kind of a, a united bunch. I'm also sure at the same time there's obviously going to be or has been some tricky conversations at home because he's got uh, a very young partner with a very young child. And I'm sure, I don't say sure, but I imagine his partner might not be thrilled about moving to Auckland yeah. away from uh, her parents and then, of course, his Reese's parents and all that. So uh, it, it is a big move, you know, and um, that's the reason why there was this clause put in there with this player option. It's not, a, it's not a straightforward player option like most people think of the player options where it's just up to the player, do I want to stay or not? It's a bit of a... As Peter O'Sullivan explained it to me, it's a bit of a complicated one and was put in there for Reese's welfare um, due to the fact, you know, they thought they would be in, in New Zealand um, this year. Yeah. So it, it's not it's not completely straightforward, but I, I just, I've just, uh, I've got my doubts about where that story came from in the first place, uh, which, I, which I can't really say, but I've got my doubts about where it came from and then the way this sort of been sort of been fanned around I think um, Reese will be uh, playing for the Warriors uh, next year the question is more just long term you know where he ends up does he become a 10 year warrior or does he go go back somewhere else um, at the end of his current contract um, but he certainly doesn't look like a guy that is uh, that is struggling on and off the field in terms of his in terms of his footy, I do think there's still too much pressure on him and probably too much expectation, and uh, he's still going to make you know plenty of mistakes and everything else. Um, but as long as people are patient, and he's probably pa- he needs to be patient with himself, um, then you know he, he will keep he will keep on developing, and and he needs to keep on developing, doesn't he? Yeah, and I think, you know, having Sean there does take some of that expectation for him to to do something special because he did so many special things as soon as he came into first grade. He was, you know, almost became their most important player to a certain exactly. degree midway. Yeah. You know, you know, he had a handful of games. Um, but Sean takes that pressure off, off him. Also, I'm sure that he's learning a lot off Sean and I'm sure also that that combination will develop 
Um, it hasn't really clicked yet. We haven't really seen them combine too effectively. It was the second Arthur's try against Brisbane where they combined, but um, I'm sure you know if that clicks, that could be um, something pretty special too. But um, yeah, do, do you know exactly how that? Like, I was kind of under the impression that he is under contract, a fairly standard contract for 2023, and he'd really have to get a you know a full blown release from that. Or is there a bit more to the 2023 element of the? The contract. No, you're right. He is. It's 2023. He's contract, and then the 24 is yeah, the player option. Is the option. Yeah. But what those stories were implying earlier in the season, the Daily Telegraph stories, was that um, you know he wasn't even going to go back to New Zealand next year. He was going to yeah, get an yeah. early release. This yeah. and that. So, and and from everything I've heard, that that is um, that doesn't stack up at all. Um, I mean, look, who knows? We, we, we've seen it with. Uh, you and Aitken, and there's already talk about Matt Lodge, so um, you can't discount it. I spoke to um, to to Craig Hodges a few weeks ago, the general manager of football, and he said to me that you um, and Aitken is unique circumstance, and, and there's not going to be other Aussies. Because I said to him, Craig, you've got a lot of Australians, mate. You know what's <laughs> going to happen? Here? Uh, and he was pretty bullish about it. Um, but so, so let's wait and see. Let's wait and see because that's. The, I guess that's the only concern. Well, is a lot of these guys have got used to playing for an Australian-based Warriors team, you know, yeah. and uh, they don't know any different. And the thought of going back and um, living in Auckland and playing in uh, Penrose, you know, yeah. it might be a might be might be a big step for them. I mean, uh, June or July in Auckland is very different to June or July. In uh, in Sydney or Brisbane, as you know, mate. Yeah, and so uh, Denon keep keeps telling everyone on um, on his locker room <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, is is there any? You'd mentioned Peter O'Sullivan before, and he obviously uh, left the Warriors for the Dolphins, the new franchise. Um, is there any sort of gentleman's agreement or something more formal that you know of about him not sort of coming after? Um, after Warriors players, and you know more specifically, someone like Reese Walsh, who we really want to keep. Um, I did hear something about that. Yeah, I think it was kind of it was kind of part of the deal when he left was that uh, Redcliffe wasn't going to initiate discussions with any Warriors players this season, uh, but also because they were in the same building, you know, or yeah, you know, at Redcliffe. That was the that was the um, the theory or the understanding, you know. And w- whether that happens, I mean, you know, it's a business, and you know, players some some players have to move on and find a living as well. And that. But yeah, that was the that was the uh, understanding because, as you say, well, Peter O'Sullivan had had um, had so much intimate knowledge of all the Warriors players, their deals, their salaries, their, their everything, you know. Yeah. So that makes um, he leaves the club, but he's got all the information, you know, in his head. So that's um, that's a, a pretty tricky scenario, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and just quickly, since you uh, mentioned it, what do you make of Craig Hodges? Who, you know, everyone sort of just knew him as a co-coach at the or assistant coach of the Titans, and now with us, and all of a sudden he's general manager of football. Um, also. Uh, little bit of a sidebar that he's Nathan Brown's best mate. Um, so it's sort of a curious appointment. What um, you know, having had a chat to him, what do you make of, of Craig as a operator and someone that's kind of you know helping run run the club? 
yeah, Curious is right. I mean, he's, he's a good operator. I have to say that. He's a good operator with what he does. Um, but um, as a, in a director of football role, you kind of need to be able to challenge the coach, you know? And so sometimes it's not good if you're too close. So I hope they work out that scenario because... Yeah, you want someone to be able to say to Nathan at times, hey, Nathan, you know, are you sure about this or why are you doing this or why did you do that? Or, or mate, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, and if you're, you're too close, then that's, um, then that's tricky. Um, the other thing is he's, he's also handling the recruitment side of things, which is a big job in itself, as you know. That's yeah. like, like a massive job. So I really hope he, um, they get some like assistance from there because uh, I think it's too big a job to be general manager, football manager and recruitment. I think you need a another recruitment person. You look around all the other clubs, they've got, I mean, the Storm have got four or five people who do recruitment, you know. Um, yeah. And um, the signing of Dylan Walker, for example, uh, ooh, I've got my... I'm, I reserve my judgment on that one, but he's going to be... What's he going to be when he arrives? 28? Maybe even twenty nine. Yeah. Um, pretty checkered history. Not sure where he's going to play. Not sure where he wants to play. So, yeah, let's see. Um, but yeah, overall, he's a good operator, and um, I guess he's got to learn on the job fast. And um, hopefully, he provides that um, that foundation and that area that they need. Yeah, I'm, we're so thin on centres that I was quite happy about Dylan Walker signing, but yeah, I do feel he could uh, turn out to be a sort of Tyrone Peachy kind of uh, guy where they struggle to fit into the lineup somewhere and um, just doesn't quite work out and provide value, but we'll see how that one pans out. Um, you mentioned the homecoming before. Um, Mike, you'll be pretty pumped about that. You've been watching from afar after being used to going out to Mount Smart every two weeks. Um, you, you have been to Aussie to cover a couple of games last season, but um, certainly getting back to Mount Smart will be uh, different, and especially that first game against the Tigers after more than three years or, uh, or two and a half years since their... No, they didn't play at all in 2020, so we're, yeah, first game since about August 2019, would that be right, at Mount Smart? Yeah, yeah, the last game was um, exactly right. It was something like August... From from memory, from all the stories written about it, about, you know, the last game, da, da, da. I think it was August 30, 2019, against the Rapidos. Um, got touched up pretty badly. Yeah. I remember, you know, talking with Wayne Bennett in the press conference afterwards. Uh, so by the time it comes to July 3, that's basically three years, uh, yeah. which is just crazy. And it'll be wonderful. It'll be wonderful, most of all, for the fans. Uh, I'm, I, I'm sure it'll be a sellout. Uh, and, and as you know, Mount Smart went at the sellout is just magical yeah. but not just the fans what about the club what about the the, the, the staff at the club who haven't been able to put on a game day for years what about all the people that work at the stadium um, it just just affects so many people in such a positive way and um, and, and then the players hopefully it'll really lift uh, the players I reckon the uh, all the guys who haven't played at Mount Smart before will be like wow is it like this every week you know they'll be they'll be absolutely buzzing but for someone like Sean, for Jazz, for Chanel, um, you mentioned before a guy like Ed Cossey. You know, he's um, he's a he, he must be so proud to have his um, 
family there watching him. He hasn't been able to play in New Zealand. Bunty Afoa has got, you know, such a big family, yeah. all those siblings. So um, it'll be wonderful. And, and, you know, the team, I'm sure, will get will get such a boost from it, mate. It's just going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be a hell of an occasion. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to say, you know, you'd have to think it's easily going to rank alongside anything in the club's history as far as atmosphere and emotion goes, even going back to the 95 opener. I mean, from what the games that I've been to, the only ones I can really think of is, is the double header was a huge one. We went 5-0 and it was a, a big sellout. I sat alongside you in the press, yeah. for that one, press box for that one. Um, I'm guessing Simon Mannering's uh, 300 and um, the last time game that season would have been... Uh, pretty big as well and full of emotion we haven't played a finals game at home since 2008 and that was obviously huge the blackout for Ruben Wickey um, yeah. that, that's yeah. up there but that's one of only a couple of games we've played uh, Mount Smart in the finals um, then you're sort of going back to to the 95 opener really um, so yeah it could be um, something pretty special to be at hoping to be there myself and I'm sure you will be there for sure um, it would mean a lot to guys like you and you know David Long at, at stuff and, and and all the people that have, have had, had to slog away and not you know had that sort of uh, you know been tuning into the Zoom every day. I'm sure sometimes that's probably quite good, uh, but um, yeah, hopefully yeah. the hopefully the cost of petrol comes down for you. But if I make a permanent return, mate, you'd be clocking up a few k's to um, to Mount Smart again. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I mean, it, it means you know a lot to, to everyone, and um, yeah, it's going to be obviously pretty awesome to to see them see them back there. Um, and and the poor old Tigers, um, if, if their season keeps on tracking as it is, um, and they have to come over here and play us, it'd be the you know sort of they're basically just uh, the fall guys really coming over here to get a thrashing and the fairy tale return uh, for the Warriors. So it could be, um, yeah, a bit of a tough one for them, but um, yeah, too bad, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, the only worry with the Tigers is, um, you know, it's taking so much of Michael Maguire's um, energy and focus in a World Cup year. You know, it'll be I really, I do feel for him because um, I think you talked about the draw before. I mean, they've had a pretty tough five-game draw. Everyone's going on about the. The, the um, you know haven't won a game in five games, but they virtually beat the Titans with that crazy mistake at the end. Yeah, um, could have beaten. They them. had a real dig against the Storm for sixty-five minutes. Um, so and then they've had uh, some pretty yeah. pretty. Hard, there must be due some kind of what would you say easier games if you know what I mean. Yeah, they'd um, love to be taking on the Bulldogs and the Dragons and those sorts of yeah, the yeah, Raiders. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they could have been. They could be on. They could be on two wins over the Warriors and the Titans, and they could have even, you know, got the Storm. They certainly pushed them a lot more than people thought. So um, they're not completely. I don't think they're, they're the complete. Uh, I think they could. They could still yet turn a corner. They won't. They obviously won't make the A from here, but they could uh, still yet turn a corner. But you wouldn't want Michael Maguire to lose his job uh, in a. In a World Cup year, particularly, but hey, that's um, that's a lot of water under the bridge yet. Yeah, well, I mean, it could work the other way where he can channel a lot of energy into our World <laughs> true, Cup true. preparations. Yeah. But um, 
yeah, I guess we'll see how that pans out. There's, that, that talk's not going to stop until they, you know, maybe string a few wins together and they've got Parramatta and South Sydney the next two weeks, so um, not going to be oh, gee. easy for them, but uh, not going to be easy for us either. Roosters this Sunday and then the big Anzac Day game against the Storm. Um, we've been in the Storm for quite some time now. Um, so, yeah, potentially reality check for the Warriors. I think, you know, probably not too many of us are expecting wins out of these two games. Uh, certainly not both. Um, but just, you know, maintaining that improvement, putting up a good fight against the, um, against, you know, two of the benchmarks and maybe jagging a win from one of those two games would be a pretty good result, I reckon. Things I Hate podcast. I'm Ollie. What's up, pansies? I'm Andy. Nice. Join us every Friday at noon as we talk about everything we hate from news, politics, current events, and dolphin pee. That's right. You heard me. Dolphin pee. See you this Friday at noon. Things I Hate podcast. Yeah, yeah, it would be. It's a nothing to lose scenario, really. They can sort of, especially against a storm, I think they've got to go out and really have a go and not be in their shell so much because you're never going to win an arm wrestle against Melbourne. We've talked about this yeah. a million times before, Will, so that's a bit of a licence to have a go. Um, and you, you never know. I mean, the Roosters scare me. I think their ability on the edge is going to be really hard to defend against. We can match them in the forwards, but they're pretty slick. But you never know. Yeah, this team, uh, the main thing, as you say, is just to keep up the, um, the levels, keep up the confidence, good performances. And, you know, if you... If you lose um, you know, 24-18, but you have a real dig, you feel good about yourself. And then when the, the Cronulla game comes or the South Sydney or another team that's made a bit more um, winnable, you, you've still got that momentum, you know, and mm. you're still um, you're still playing well and, and, and things keep rolling on. But, um, yeah, that's a tough... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it certainly is, but I mean, what we do have is momentum and confidence, and I think we've gone back to 2018, um, met the Roosters in round four after that 3-0 and start, and everyone sort of expected um, expected it to end mm. there. Um, Sean Johnson pulled out. Um, everyone thought we were no chance, and I think we won 30-6 to with Mason Lenor coming in, and um, yeah, just, just blew them off the park. So, they, you know, the, the, certainly won't be going, and... Um, Thing we're no chance. Um, looking forward to this one actually. Um, but yeah, well, well, thanks for your time talking about the Warriors, mate. I know that you do this day to day, so you're right in the thick of it. But not just rugby league. Um, among a raft of sports that you cover for the Herald um, and elsewhere, um, you're a big football fan. I have to admit, I'm a bit of a philistine when it comes to to football and, and following um, exactly what's going on. But there is a World Cup this year, and the All Whites are still in the mix. So that's um, got to be a, probably even more exciting than the Warriors potentially making the finals for you. <laughs> uh, they would both be they would both be uh, amazing scenarios. But yeah, the All Whites would be would be incredible. It's only happened um, you know twice before. In, um, I think New Zealand first tried to qualify for the World Cup in 1968. You know, so it's only happened twice in all that time. And and, and this time, um, they've certainly got a decent chance, mate. Um, it's just a one-off it, match, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Which is kind of sad because those those tradition of home and away was wonderful. That Wellington selling selling out it's the only time every four years that. New Zealand football can sell out a game that's got the All Whites, all their players, and then you have an amazing trip to somewhere like 
Peru or Mexico, or this case would be going to San Jose, the capital of Costa Rica. But it was changed to just one leg. Um, but I think that does help the underdog. You know, it's just 90 minutes. Yeah. You know what football's like. It's not like league. Uh, things can just you can, you can be dominated, but you can still um, you know defend well and, and, and jag the goal. So yeah, one game uh, in the middle of June against Costa Rica, who are ranked um, they're about 31 in the world. They'll be very good, but the All Whites have got some good players, a young team, and plenty of confidence, and they will be um, you know they've got a real chance. They've got a, a real a real chance, which, which would be um, incredible, but. Can you imagine the tension, though, mate, watching that game with what's on the line? 90 minutes. Oh, mate. And, you know, one mistake yeah. by one player, one little mistake, and or one goal, and uh, your country's going to World Cup. Yeah. You know? I yeah. mean, it's just, I cannot imagine. It's the sort of game you're watching through, you know, through your hands or from behind the couch because there's, um, there's just so much at stake. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, exciting times for, for football fans. When The World Cup wins... When does that get underway? That's sort of around NRL finals time, isn't it? Or is it a bit yeah, later? Yeah, so normally the World Cup is in... Um, every other World Cup's been mid-June to mid-July, but um, because those rocket scientists at FIFA decided to award it to Qatar and then realised that, oh, actually, you can't have the World Cup in June in Qatar because it's about 45 degrees every day. Uh, so it's been moved this year to... It's actually just after the League World Cup. Oh, okay. Uh, they, they had the time at the League World Cup were very aware not to clash with the World Cup. So yeah. it starts on about November the... Oh, I should know this, but it starts about a week after the League World Cup final uh, in about mid, mid-November, mid 20th November, and it goes for a month. Um, so it's a different time of year, um, which uh, will be interesting because it means all the, all, the, all the league seasons, like the Premier League and the... The uh, La Liga in Spain, they all have to stop for like five or six weeks in the middle of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that might mean the players aren't as tired. Normally the players are coming to a World Cup after playing a whole season, like in rugby league, and they're all quite tired and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. So, but yeah, if New, Zealand, if New Zealand can be there, that would be unbelievable, yeah. mate. Yeah, and exciting for sports fans. We have a full league season then in the World Cup, which we haven't had uh, much of a post-season schedule for quite some time and then uh, a World Cup to to FIFA World Cup to keep us going um, just about till Christmas by the looks of it so yeah good times, <laughs> um, yeah and that uh, that League World Cup as well that should be a, a good one I've got like the, the Kangaroos will be um, will be overwhelming favourites as always but um, this Kiwis team especially the, I think the Kiwis forward pack is if they have all their players is a better forward pack than both the Kangaroos and the English team. So, uh, and then you throw in Jerome Hughes, Dylan Brown, Joseph Manu, Sean Johnson, Brandon um, Smith. Brand, well, yeah, the, the full packs picture of South. Full packs incredible. Yeah, great um, spine. I guess full backs maybe a bit of a, unless I'm forgetting someone, but full back is is maybe a bit of a an area you know chance. Well, you're forgetting the Kiwis captain. Dallin Martinez Lesniak. Yes, yes. <laughs> I tell you, if he's if he's the captain again, um, that might be a few few issues for the Kiwis, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> I've still got nightmares from the last time he was at a World Cup, uh, getting three tries scored on him by David Fusatua. But he does grow an extra leg on occasion in that in that black jersey. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see who gets that number one. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed to see that. 
because we're ranked first, I talked to Brad about this on the podcast the other day, but we're ranked first, and Australia's sliding to fourth, everyone had a good laugh about it, but now that means we're on a semi-final collision course with them. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing that um, they kind of didn't, uh, they should have researched that a bit more. I know with, um, with the FIFA World Cup, teams like Switzerland, they always check, oh, what will the rankings mean? Where should we be? What's the ideal? Because yeah. that was a bit of a, yeah, how the hell did Australia end up fourth, you know? Um, yeah, well, I mean, the Tonga, I guess. But, um, they're clearly the they, top they, seed. Um, you know, in all yeah, reality, so um, yeah. That's the that's the tricky one. Is that yeah, you get them in the semis, but you got to beat them sometime uh, else. Though. You have, yeah, I don't always like that cliche because it's not always true when it comes to tennis or other things. But yeah. in, in league, it is. You've got to beat them in the final, and maybe getting them in the semi-final sort of a bit of revenge for um, '95 and Matthew Ridge's drop goal that. I'm yeah. still sure went over. Um, <laughs> so maybe we get them in that, uh, and then he had that conversion from the sideline. Oh, he, yeah, painful uh, Kevin Hero's try that, yeah, that he, that he, that he admits in his book is, was one of his, you know, he'd nail that every day of the week. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's revenge for that. I think we can get Australia in a one-off game. Um, but it is intimidating to face them in a semi-final compared to facing, say, England or, or Tonga. Yeah, I agree with you there. This should be a great tournament, and um, yeah, just great to great to be feeling good about league again and good about the Warriors for now, at least. Um, plenty to look forward to. Um, I'll better let you get on with it, mate. But thank you very much, as always, for uh, for joining me here. And I'm sure we'll talk to you later in the year, especially around the time where um, when the Warriors are playing some home games finally. And looking forward to seeing you then as well. Um, anyone looking to check out Mike's always fabulous work uh, nzherald.co.nz and um, follow Mike on Twitter at, um, at MikeBurgess99 um, he'll always give you the good oil there um, but yeah thanks thanks, Mike it's always a pleasure mate no mate great to catch up great to talk about Warriors with so many different subjects and certainly some um, some positive vibes I'm sorry we couldn't go off on some other tangents about, I don't know, 80s movies or, you know, Star Wars or something, but that's all right. We'll save that for another time. Yeah, everyone is uh, waiting with bated breath to see how Brad's pants shopping worked out, but, um, yeah, <laughs> we can't all have as fascinating, uh, you know, lives outside the podcast as, as Brad no, does. So, yeah. that's right. No, my mind's pretty shallow, so I'll stick to, I'll stick to league, yeah, yeah. Uh, Also, mate, um, keep up the good work and we'll talk to you soon.